Okay, so earlier today I recorded a hilarious podcast that was with some music. Oh, hi. My name is V. This is the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast, and um, this is from L.A. I ate cookies and I believe some candy earlier today. That's completely obscure to any nutritionist out there. That is the breakfast of people who smoke weed? Nah. (laughs) Greetings, greetings. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Hit the subscribe button. Let someone know about the podcast. Uh, It's not just on Spotify. It's on many multi-platforms. And I'm working on another book. So I have been developing these different ideas. And it looks like I'm just walking around playing video games, slapping art around. But there's something else that is intricate in the conversation that one has on a daily basis. And it's not just in part of how I look at things, it's how I I write my story and and what Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds is primarily based off of. So strap in, sit, please don't be sitting in traffic and then be like, oh wow, I definitely gotta listen to this podcast because then I'll be like, but wait, but wait, listen to it at, at your crib with some wine and a spliff or something? I, I don't know. And and don't let me be the advocate of smoking weed. That if it's not for you, don't don't smoke weed. I always say that's more weed for me and Snoop Dogg and uh anybody else who smokes weed on the West Coast. But uh oh before I get into it, uh I also uh am looking to collab with other uh what do you call this? Content creators or podcast creators. There's so many different podcasts, so many different things going on in the world right now. Like, it is bar none, some renaissance type stuff where people are giving their perspectives. And I enjoy this because everyone has a great way of versing what it is that they have to say. And it's not an Instagram thing. It's not something that has to be just a like or a dislike. They're progressively and with like some data, empirical and, you know, uh, breaking it down uh, very intricately of why they have their opinions. And, and I love that. I love the way comedians are coming with their YouTube channels and their vid vlogs and talking about just everything. They're talking about everything in current news and cracking jokes, sitting down and you don't necessarily have to be smoking weed like. Uh, Mike Tyson and his hotboxing and stuff like that, but I know that there is a rhetoric or a dialogue that is of importance that usually you would see behind closed doors or you wouldn't see with someone else. So that's that's basically what you're getting with me, and it's not so much. And please, please do not mistake boredom with my stories. There is no story that is the same. I swear to you. I swear. None of these stories is the same, but um, yeah, we're basically in the third book right now, and the way that I wrote the third book and like I'm versing it in my head how the stories progressed was me being at the beach, and I would just like watch something on TV, and I think this was what, 2018, 2019 when I wrote this book, and I was just watching, I think it was... Um, Iron Fist, and I was watching Daredevil, and I was watching The Defenders, and a lot of other different uh, superhero TV shows, and those were very, very good. Like, I am a prime A nerd. If somebody was to go back and go to a comic book store in their neighborhood 
and be like, hey, man, do you know this storyline or something like that? I'd be like, yes. Yes, I do. Because I looked it up on Wikipedia right on my phone just right now so that I know this reference. (laughs) It's basically one of those cases. And I wasn't familiar with New York or I'm not familiar with any of the defenders. I'm not familiar with the Daredevil storyline or Iron, uh, who is this, Luke Cage um, or Iron Fist or uh, Jessica, what do you call her name? I forgot her name. Something Jessica. And all of these storylines were very unique, very intricate, but had a sense of, I don't even know how to describe it. Each one was shot differently. And that in itself, as I was developing my style, was indicative of that. Okay, so before we get into this, I just wanted to make these comments and let people know that that was what I was doing behind the scenes and I'm working on other projects too that I don't even mention. And the, the last I wrote and actually, what is this, a few days ago actually. Okay, so where we left off in the third book, okay? This is the seat of the door with no threshold. So basically, if you're imagining a door, there is no doorway and there is no middle of the door of the doorway. It's just the middle of, I don't even know what you even call it. One would say a void, but that's not generally the sense of what I was envisioning when I, I thought of this project. And the last I, I left off was talking about this Valley of Kings. If you've ever been to Egypt or anywhere in that Sahara Desert area, it's one of the largest deserts in the world. Literally, you can take a piece of sand and place that in the ocean and that piece of sand would end on some butterfly effect probably over there on the other side of the world in Australia and be chilling and then be on the other side in Antarctica somewhere by like two years. <laughs> that, that's how vast and large this desert is and so for me like I was saying in the last cast I was versing it in my head and imagining something and so I was versing it in my head of how large of a scale and scope that I wanted to verse this thing if this was a planet the size of the Sun then obviously the parameters of this thing that I was creating obviously this desert was larger than anything that I had witnessed or anything that I could have as a reference now, the references in our solar system and planet, but those are still uh, scaling, uh, raving uh, differences of this planet that I'm, I'm looking at. And that's why I named it Celestial. And so these kings, there's like seven of them, or nine. Actually, I think it was nine. And they're walking through this desert, and there is no oasis. There are no places or trees or anything. It's just this vast wasteland and they find these remnants or ruins uh, just to find refuge for a night uh, to find it while obviously one if you've been to a desert or a tundra before you know how hot it can be during the daytime and then how cool it can be at night so with these guys versing it in my head of the survival tactics that it would need to obviously put one through that physical uh, strain is the thing that constantly played on my mind 
So afterwards, I wanted to. So afterwards, right? I was saying that this was something else as far as like correlating them and their plight and the reasoning why they were choosing uh, to band together. And I was wondering what their plight was. And I was writing this while I was doing certain things throughout the day. And I know particularly why I did that back, obviously, what, a few years ago, probably like three or four. But the point of surviving and an understanding just being in the desert and then having that without memories and then understanding like, okay, well, where's the next meal? Where's the next piece of water? Or where do we, who are you even trusting? How do you even formulate words? You're learning to walk again. Like there's certain things and these guys not to boot are all kings. And so it's looking into them and their versing of their stature and remembering their kingdoms and then wondering how they got marooned out in this desert in the first place. And that's where we left off on the last one. It's really cool. It's called The Power of Persuasion. And then I left it as like a murder mystery where one of them is like wondering what happens. And they're like, oh, well, one of them is not a king. One of them is a murderer. And I'm like, ah, that's a great way to segue and leave that off uh, for the next uh Basically, I could add on to that on and on and on. And so I knew that it was like very Alfred Hitchcock-like or uh, Rod Serling back in the 1950s where it was alluding to something or leaving it very open-ended. And that's why I named it The Power of Persuasion. And then the Senate of Mosses was different. And that was a, a stark raving difference. Each and every time, and, and now that I'm looking back in retrospect, the way that I name uh, these pieces, the Senate of Mosses, uh, moss being as in something from the forest that grows on the other side or the northern side. I don't even know what side of the tree it grows on, but it grows on some side of the tree. And the Senate, or a meeting of people and these beings who obviously want to delineate and delegate what it is that's going on in their society. And so for me, I'm really like readily putting together and piecing together as if I was a detective of my own thoughts of how I, I versed that and I know for a fact that I versed a chaotic scenario and then a euphoric scenario and then a progressive scenario and these three interchangeably and now that I'm versing this and this is why I say explaining things to people because you have to make it make sense always is a, a great asset and it's the first time I've versed that before, but this is one of those progressive scenarios where people are all thinking of their own thoughts or doing their own things, but they all have their own, so they basically they have their own ending, right? So they have their own conclusion, but it's not a debate. It's not certain things where they're saying, oh, well, this is the color blue. This is the color blue. And then other people are like, oh, blue, blue. Why is it blue? And, and then the conversation arises. That's a very philosophical thing to say. And obviously it would be a conversation for kids and things like that. But So I wanted to create and craft this world that had these people in a tree. But it would be a grove of trees. And obviously indicative of my real name, which means Alder Grove 
or a group of trees. And obviously this was one of those things as the origins that no one would generally know unless I told them, but I saw these people as not as chaotic so much. The conversation may or may not have meandered that way, but ultimately they cared about one another. Ultimately, it was a sense of peace in their voice of understanding how this person and this ingenuity of coming up with something. And I, I explained it in the second book of Senate of Mosses, the original, and this is Senate of Mosses too. And so for me, it was really just talking about, okay, well, how do you know this is the way that you it? Like how you're mentioning it. And someone will be like, well, it's because this, and they'll give their reasonings. But for me, there's this interesting rhetoric and dialogue of talking about something like that because you're generally questioning as to why someone has this as damning evidence as to why they believe something is this way, right? There's, it's uh, uh, something in them that just, bar none, you know what I'm talking about, like they unequivocally know that this is fact and how as in this changing world I often find and I am no philosopher I am no you know religious person I'm far from but to say that and then it's it's almost as if these are giant kids having this conversation of hey why do you think the color's blue I think the color's blue this way is the sky blue like this and, and describing certain things and analogies and similarities with stuff that generally people have when they're like in their early what threes four years old five but I, I wanted to make it funny and a light-hearted aspect not Disney like no but something where people would smile about it juxtaposed next to all of the the made crazy messed up things that happen in life and, and I thought it was a cool thing to you know just name it Senate uh, and, and you can see, uh, I'll just read a little excerpt from it. One second, one moment. Okay, it says, uh, Gathered there amongst the plenty, unlike minds, mingled to untangle the cosmic mystery, befalling each one of them problems lingering, unveiling the issue, teeming with new meaning. The next argument arose to morality, perplexing the perception past the second moon's evening. Cabinets chosen through air symbols, clasping, breathing. How do we know our decisions are correct? when all our past could very well be, very well, well may be wrong. A man Freud spoke his concerns, wafting more issues, our obliviousness, the sea, us, the sea we. Imaginary amethyst rocks imploded upon their psyche, saturating their imagination. Simmering, there would be answers, staving time enough for a ray of hope to point them to the past whilst they were all dreaming. Who would remember though? The second moon only knows. Okay, so like I said, that basic scenario was what I was saying. And it's an interesting notion, and I'll go into it on the next podcast series too, of just talking. And that's the end of the cast. 